Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, we're doing a series we've entitled, uh, The Bible Doesn't Say That. And the, uh, the purpose, the reason behind the series is that several people um, will think that there are certain phrases, certain uh, comments that they'll hear in culture that are part of the Bible. And they'll communicate them like it's part of the Bible, as though it's the gospel truth. But if we'll look closely, we'll find out that's not really exactly what the Bible has to say. Uh, the issue with that, as I've mentioned each week, it's a problem for the person that believes something that's an error because they're believing wrong. But as they repeat what they think the Bible teaches, uh, they're misleading other people to assume that something is really biblical when it's not biblical uh, at all. In our uh, installment today uh, that we're looking at, our third installment of this uh, series, uh, the Bible uh, doesn't say that. We're going to talk about this phrase, do not judge others. Some people believe the Bible absolutely teaches completely without any question that you should never, ever, ever judge someone. And while there are verses that may seem like that, if you lift it out of context, that's not really the totality of what the Bible teaches. And we'll look at that this morning. There, there are phrases that we'll hear in our culture, like, well, nobody can judge me but God, or who are you to judge me, or what gives you the right to judge me or anyone else uh, for something that's going on in, in their lives. And, and you'll hear those types of phrases because they believe that the Bible teaches that it's always, always, always completely wrong to judge something or judge someone. But we'll see in the course of this message, that's not actually the case. We're going to be in uh, John chapter 7, Gospel of John chapter 7, uh, for a good part of the message. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, for a good part of the message. I'll bring a couple of other verses in, but if you want to kind of find your place there, uh, that way you'll have the verses in front of you, and we'll also have them on the screen as uh, we go through the message. But I think we'll find some pretty important information that ought to help us understand that, that it's not always, always, always wrong to, uh, to judge a situation or to judge someone uh, in, in a certain manner, as long as we do it in, in biblical terms. So to begin with, if you're following along in the blanks and the, in the updates, the first fill in the blank is simply this. There, there are some mis, misused and misunderstood words of Jesus concerning judging others. There's something that Jesus says that some people misunderstand because they don't finish reading everything that Jesus said or they take it out of context, and it causes them to misunderstand uh, what Jesus said, and they just assume that Jesus has said it's always wrong to judge someone. Now, here's the phrase, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. But as we will go through the rest of these verses, you're going to understand that Jesus is saying more than just that. Really what Jesus does in these verses, he gives us a warning concerning judging others that involves self-evaluation. 
But basically, Jesus is telling us, but before I start judging someone else, I need to evaluate my own life and be sure I'm not guilty of the same thing that I'm judging the life of someone else. He's telling us we need to be careful about that. We need to evaluate our own lives. Uh, look at what he says in verse 1 through 4, and then we're going to look at several word studies, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little bit uh, from there. Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a log in your own eye? Now look at some of the words that Jesus uses uh, here uh, in, in those verses. The, the word judge literally means that. It can even mean so in a judicial way. It, it means someone's making a decision. It could even be like a legal decision. Or you're making a determination that something's wrong, that something is an error uh, in, in someone's life. But he says, judge not. And the word that Jesus chose to use, uh, among other words that he could have chose, Jesus uses a, a negative that is not an absolute negative. If Jesus were going to say it's always, always, always wrong to judge something in someone else's life, then he would have used a Greek word that means absolutely negative. He would have said you absolutely never, ever, ever, ever do it. That would have been the word that Jesus chose to use, but he didn't use that. He chose another word in the Greek that, that means it, it, it's kind of a qualified thing. You have to look at the circumstances and the, and the situation uh, in, in judging. He said with the same judgment, and that means that denotes a fixed position. Uh, the word with there, and we, we've seen that a, a lot over the last few weeks. It's popped up in word studies. What Jesus is saying there is this. When he used the word with, with the judgment that you judge someone else with, the, the word with, it being in a fixed position, I think Jesus is saying this. The same judgment that I use to judge somebody else with, that standard of judgment's hanging around. It'll also be used against myself. It's a fixed position type thing that that same judgment that I use against someone else will be used toward me, myself. And he goes on and he, and he says, with the judgment you pronounce, with that decision that you make, uh, that, that condemnation maybe that you make, that you distinguish something's right or wrong. Let's keep going. You will be judged. So with that same decision, that same judgment, that same uh, the thing that you distinguish in someone else's life, it's going to be used as the measuring stick in your own life because Jesus said with a measure, and that also denotes a fixed position of measure or a limited portion. Now what he's saying basically is this. If, if I had a yardstick up here, that yardstick has so many inches in it, and if it's going to be a yardstick, it's always going to have the same number of inches, right? It will always be the same measurement. So with the same measurement that I use against someone else, that's also going to be used in my direction. It will be measured to you in a fixed standard also. That same measurement that you use against someone else, that's a fixed standard measurement that's being used toward your life. And then Jesus asked a question. I'm just going to deal with the whole phrase. Well, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? It's kind of like Jesus is, is really asking this in a way like, like how in the world... You know, what in the world are you doing? How, how in the world can you see a little dry twig that's in someone else's eye 
And you're ignoring the fact, you don't fully observe the fact that you've got a, a log, a large piece of wood, sticking out of your own eye that's there in a fixed position in your own eye. And how can you say to your, to your brother, and that's the issue that, that we need to bear in mind here, Jesus, as we will we'll talk about judgment here and what Jesus says, and as we'll later in the message talk about judgment, the, the judgment that we invoke is, is with other believers. You, you'll see in Corinthians when we get there, we don't have a right to judge the world. The, the world doesn't even have the capacity to live up to what we believe is right and wrong anyway. The only capacity that you and I have as believers is that the Holy Spirit of God lives in our lives to help us do those things. But uh, so, so he's saying here, how can you say to your brother, in what way uh, can you say to your brother? In other words, he's kind of being really inquisitive again. How in the world can you do this would be a way to, to say that phrase. Let me take the speck out of your eye. Interesting word that he uses in that phrase. Let me eject, <laughs> let me eject that twig out of your eye. Now, that word that Jesus used bothers me a little bit because ejecting something can be done without a lot of compassion involved in it. Amen? You just walk up, grab it, rip it out, you might cause a lot of damage doing it. Someone might just say, I'll, I'll knock it out of your eye by hitting you on the back of the head. You know? So, so that, he, he said, how, how can you just be, in, in a really careless way, eject that from someone? When there's that log, and, and there's a word that Jesus uses there that shows up in some translations, Jesus more or less says, behold, <laughs> you know, lo. I mean, I mean, it's like he's saying, dude, don't you see that in your own life? How, how are you worried about a speck over someone else and you're not even observing the fact that you've got this log in a fixed position sticking out of your own eye? Now, even what Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is not making a blanket statement. That's the problem that some people have in misinterpreting this. They think when Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged, that he's making a blanket statement telling you that, that you better not ever judge anybody. That's not what he's saying. And we'll see exactly why here in just a second. He, he's not telling you to never ever use any type of judgment at all. He, you have to keep reading on. He, he's saying you need to be aware that the judgment that you use towards someone else, that same standard will be used toward you in your own life. That, that's what Jesus is saying there. He said, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying the same morality stick, the same morality measuring stick that I used to measure someone else's life with, he's going to take that same stick and use it to measure my life with. It's not like we can pull out our own morality stick and only use it towards someone else. Because here's, maybe here's a wake-up call for some people. Guess what? If it's wrong in somebody else's life, it's wrong in your life. It's not that we can pick and choose and just apply it towards someone else and condemn them for that. In other words, Jesus said, if you're going to condemn something, if you're going to judge something in another person's life, he's really saying you better inspect your own life first. And then he illustrates it in a really, really powerful way. And let me read those two verses again. We've already read them. But he says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? 
I flirted with getting such a large log this morning, I'd have to get Mike Jacobs and two or three of you other big guys to come up here and help me hold it. But I, I decided it might be too dangerous, so I'd just go with this. In other words, how can someone that has this problem, how can they imagine to themselves that they're well suited to help someone else? And, and the word meant that it's used for respect. I mean, a little dry twig, so I brought a little toothpick with me. How can someone that's going around like this think that they're well equipped to help somebody else get that out of their eye? You, you, you understand the, 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 the principle that, that, that's being taught there. Now, I'm going to illustrate a little bit more. I got, uh, who am I going to pick on? Sure, I guess it's you. You're close by. Let, let's imagine this is like a little dry twig. Go ahead and insert that in your eye. Just, just hold it up there. I, I'm concerned because he's got that in his eye, but here's the deal. I can't really see how to help him a whole lot because I'm like this. But some people think that they can be like this and see perfectly how to help somebody else in their own life. So some people imagine that they can help someone else with a speck of a sin in their life, and they've got a whole tree, a whole forest of sin in their own life that they're ignoring. And, and, and I imagine it make him pretty nervous right now if I wanted to come all the way up there and, and try and take that out and make him really uncomfortable. So I, and most of you are pretty sensitive about your eyes. I, I can't stand whenever I've had to go to the eye doctor for them to try and roll that thing up. Keep your eye open, keep your eye open. I'm sorry, my eye's not staying open. You know, for them, for them to come up and, and, and look. I've had a speck in my eye before, too. I, I had a, like a parakeet. Uh, when we had some parakeets as pets when the kids were small. Flutters, I was going by uh, the cage, and it, it put a little piece of the, the grit, the gravel they have to have for, to digest their food in my eye. And I tried to wash it out and everything else. I had to go to the eye doctor. Somehow, before he got to looking in there, when he finally looked in, he said, I can't see anything. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm paying you 50 bucks for no reason. You know, it came, came out before I got there. But it was painful, and I didn't like him coming at me with that. And, and I don't think Sherman probably likes me coming at him with this right now. But I want you to notice a couple of other things. When I try and come at him, and I've got this log of sin in my own life, I'm pushing him away. Because of the attitude that I've got. Now hang on just a minute, I'm going to come back to you in a minute. You don't get, to, you don't get off that easy. See, Jesus isn't teaching never to ever judge anyone. Because when we get to the next verse... We see the point of what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus says this in, in, in the next verse. Go to the next, next slide, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. He's talking on the topic of hypocrisy. The context of everything that Jesus said is working toward verse 5. When he said, don't judge, it should be not judged. When, when he's, he's saying, you know, how, how can you take a speck? I think you've got the right to take a speck out of somebody else's eye. When you've got a log in your own eye, because he gets to verse 5, and he says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So see, what, what people think, Jesus made a blank statement. They're, 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 they misunderstand it. They're confused by the text. 
Because they don't keep reading through in context. Where people think Jesus made a blanket statement saying it's always, always wrong for you to judge somebody. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying this, it's always wrong for you to be a hypocrite and judge somebody. It's always wrong for you to, for you to be practicing hypocrisy in your life. Now the word for, for hypocrite, and if you've been around here, you've heard me deal with it before. But it, it's really a Greek word that talked about a Greek actor on a stage. In that day and time, they just had very few actors and actresses, and they would go on stage to put a mask on and, and come out and play a different role. It's not like in this day and time where you've got tons and tons of actors and actresses. Uh, supposedly, we're supposed to have about 16 less, less that said they're going to leave the country because of the way the election went. We'll wait and see how that works out. But, but anyway, I better get on this topic here. <laughs> But, but, but anyway, they, very few actors and actresses, if they go on stage, put a mask on, and come out and play a role. It, it's what they would do. And the word fully, though, when you look at everything the word means, it, it means to, the root word means to decide to speak or act under a false party, to, to pretend. So in other words, if somebody pretending to be something they're not, keep looking at the word study, to distinguish, decide, or condemn. So if someone pretending to be something that they're not, while they're in the process of looking down on someone else and condemning someone else. Do you get the picture of what Jesus is talking about? He's not telling anyone never ever to judge. He's saying don't do it with a hypocritical attitude. Because he says first, and that literally means first in time, place, order, importance. The root word in the Greek means foremost. So he's saying this is the foremost thing that's important before you start trying to get a speck out of somebody else's eye. The first thing you need to do is get the law of your own eye. And then you'll have the vision to be able to see how to help somebody else with a little speck that might be in their eye. Let me, let me illustrate again. I'm going to really drive it in this time. <laughs> no. Oh, you're going to be helpful, huh? Anybody have a hammer? I showed you a minute ago that if I'm trying to get a speck out of his eye, like that little toothpick, and, and here's what's happening. It's not just the fact that I've got sin in my own life that's keeping me from helping him. It's my hypocritical attitude that's pushing him away. See, we need to understand we do that as Christians. If you're, if you're condemning other people for something that you're, guilt, that you're guilty of yourself, or if you're condemning someone for a small speck of sin in their life, and you've got a multitude of things in your life you need to straighten out, whether you recognize it or not, what we do, regrettably, many times as Christians and as the church, is we're trying to fix somebody else, and because we are hypocrites, all we're doing is pushing the person away by our attitude. Whereas, if I will do what Jesus said, if I'll get rid of this first. You see, there's another issue here. I'm not just pushing him away. I can't even get close enough to him to see how I ought to help him. But, if I do what Jesus says and I get rid of this first, and by, by him helping me, by me confessing my sin and things I've got in my life, then just maybe I can get to the point that I can get close enough to sure that I really understand what he's going through. And then I see what he's facing, and, 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 and me not ejected out in a painful way, but in a compassionate way, I can try and help him. Amen? I forgot to tell you I was doing this earlier oh. with him. But, uh, <laughs> thank you. 
But you see, that, that's the point that Jesus is making. Jesus is not saying it is always, always, always wrong to judge someone. What he's saying is this. It's wrong for us to practice hypocrisy as we're trying to practice judgment towards someone else. That's the point that he is he's, he's making. He doesn't make an absolute statement saying it's always wrong to judge someone. Number two that we need to get to today is, is this, to understand this topic about do not judge anyone. People misunderstand what we just talked about. People misunderstand the words of Jesus that we just looked at. But number two, we need to recognize there are actually scriptures in the Bible that teach judging others is indispensable sometimes. That, that we have to do it sometimes. To, to begin with, in, in Matthew 7, so if you jump to 1 Corinthians, you need to go back to Matthew 7. See, people will read something out of context, not keep reading. Just like where I said a moment ago, if someone only read verse 1 and Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, and they don't keep reading on and understand he's talking about hypocrisy. Later on in the same chapter, Jesus says that we have to practice judgment. Look at what Jesus says here in those, in those verses, verse 15 through, through 20. Next slide. Well, never mind. So tell me about yourself. Watch well, this video you know, and I'll make it. I'm an organized person, somebody who does not need details. I'm actually very, very good with groups. Mm-hmm. I've surpassed all my goals, my previous position, my prior job, and your competitor. My personality and me have surpassed their own goals. Get famous at mytalkingstain.com. Now, that's an advertisement that they ran on TV for that tight stain removing stick. But here's the reason I had to play it. I'm sorry, guys, I jumped ahead of you uh, in with it. Uh, but uh, I got interested in getting a log out of my eye. Um, but sometimes, sometimes you would wish that you'd had a friend close enough to you to tell you, hey, there's something that you might not know about yourself. In that advertisement, the man's going for a job interview. The potential boss that's interviewing him can't hear anything he's saying because all he sees is that stain. So you would have thought that if that guy had a friend in the world, that friend would have said, wait, 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 wait wait a minute. We need to clean that stain off your shirt before you go in and talk for that interview because he's not going to hear a thing you say. Now, to spiritually apply that, that's why we need people around us that love us enough to come alongside and and judge something in our lives. You see, judging something, helping you by pouring out something that's wrong in your life is not always a huge negative thing. Sometimes it can be very helpful. I've, I've had people come along beside me when, when I was I had the blinders on and I couldn't see maybe something in my own life and someone helped me see it. And I was thankful that they helped me to see it. Because you see, in, in our lives as Christians, if we've got a, a stain of sin going on right there and we're trying to help someone else, then all they hear is that stain shouting at them. And yet, we need to be good enough friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, to pull along someone with compassion and love. Not hateful, but with compassion and love to go up to another brother and sister in Christ and say, hey, I've noticed this in your life. I didn't know if you've noticed it or not, but I'm trying to help you out by letting you know it's there. 
So in other words, it can be very helpful and beneficial for someone to judge something in your life sometimes. You understand that? From, from, from the video? Now, now let's look at what Jesus said later on in that chapter. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Don't say figs and thistles too quick too many times. <laughs> so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruits. Now I want to bring up about five statements or questions that I think are really applicable to what we're talking about this morning based on what Jesus just said. How can we beware of a false prophet unless, first of all, you discern through judgment that they are false prophets? The, the very fact that Jesus tells us to beware something means that we have to use some judgment to distinguish who they are, to distinguish if it is really a false prophet. In order to see a false prophet is a false prophet, how, how do you use the criteria that Jesus provides? See, Jesus gave a criteria there. We, we have to look, we have to observe and judge if it's a wolf pretending to be a sheep. That's the criteria that Jesus gave. So if, if, if I've got someone that's trying to teach me or be in my life or whatever spiritually, Jesus is saying, be careful, it's not a false prophet. And he's saying that you need to be on guard that it's not a wolf that's dressed up to look like a sheep. How can I be on guard if I'm not judging the situation? If I'm not looking at the circumstances? You see, if, if, if I just blindly think, oh man, that's a sheep, and, and then the sheep gets up close to me and throws off the disguise, I'm in trouble at that point in time. Number three, how do you observe the fruit the false prophet's fruit without first inspecting or judging that fruit. We've got a typo in there I put in by accident. But how do you, how do you observe the false prophet's fruit without first inspecting it? That, that means judging it. You, you're looking at the fruit that's being produced there. You have to inspect it. Number four, a bad tree must first be judged to be a bad tree before it's cut down thrown in the fire. If you don't judge that's a bad tree, you're going to be cutting a good tree down. If you're out trying to you know, take care of your orchard or whatever, you have to judge it's a bad tree first. Jesus is saying sometimes you have to judge things. How can we recognize false prophets by their fruits if we're not judging their fruits, if we're not looking at their fruits? So you need to keep reading on in, 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 in John chapter 7 because some people just read verse 1. And they say, well, Jesus said, judge not to be not judged. That means it's wrong for you to judge me. No one has a right to judge me but God. And people start having those attitudes like that. When realistically, that's not really what Jesus said. He's saying, don't judge someone else from a hypocritical attitude. And even later in the chapter tells us, we have to judge things sometimes. We have to be cautious sometimes. We have to be on the alert sometimes to be sure we can distinguish who a false prophet is. Later on, the Apostle John says something that's really similar. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Beloved, I do not believe every spirit, 
But test, that means judge it. But test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. But when he said test the spirits, he's saying this. He's saying to try the spirits. He's saying to judge the spirits. Now we'll get to 1 Corinthians. Because the Apostle Paul says something that really, really lets us understand and know. That sometimes in some circumstances, judging something, judging someone, judging a situation is indispensable. I'm going to read through all these verses and then we'll, we'll make some comments about them. There's 13 verses here. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. So he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he's saying it's reported that there's sexual immorality among you of a kind that's not tolerated even among the pagans. In other words, this is so bad even lost people wouldn't support this being right. For a man has his father's wife. Now, someone came up to me in the service, the first service, and said, man, that does seem a little bit weird. Does that, does that mean that that was his mother? And I said, no. no. <laughs> yeah, probably his mother had died, he'd remarried. Or they'd been a divorce or whatever and remarried. But this man is having sexual relations with his father's wife. That's not your just average little bump in the road sin. And it says, and you are arrogant, talking to the Corinthian believers. You're arrogant about it. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I'm present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. That's Paul saying, I've judged this already. When you are assembled... In the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, he's not saying, call Satan up, invite him to the worship service, and say, Satan, here he is. He's saying that you need to pray that Satan will take him and shake him to where he'll learn the activity that's going on in his life is wrong. Then he says, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may have a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. In other words, guys, we need to use the truth of God in our lives. We need to use the truth of God in judging decisions in our lives and in the lives of others. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual, sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you would have to go out of the world. But I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. In other words, he's, he's another Christian. If he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater 
reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. But what have I to do with judging the outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Then he says, purge the evil person from among you. So basically, in the verses that we just read, the Apostle Paul, under divine inspiration, wrote this. Now, the reason I'm stressing under divine inspiration, someone can't jump back over to John chapter 7 and say, but Jesus said, judge that you not be judged. Someone can't go to that and say, you see, it's always, always, always wrong to judge someone. And then you've got the Apostle Paul over here in 1 Corinthians saying to judge someone. Because even though that's God in the flesh that says that in John chapter 7, remember what the context was, it was hypocrisy. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's inspired Paul to write down what he writes down. These two things have to jive together. Scripture's not going to contradict Scripture. So Paul, under divine inspiration, tells these Corinthian believers to judge someone who's practicing a terrible sin in their midst. The sin was, once again, someone that was supposed to be a believer in that body, someone that was a member of the church at Corinth. They were having sexual relationships with their father's wife. And and Paul corrects them about it. He, He said, you're arrogant about it. And what Paul is saying is this. That the Corinthian believers were, were kind of feeling good about themselves because they're, they're, they're thinking, well, we know that's going on. But we're just so accepting and we're so loving and we have so much mercy that we're not going to say anything about it. And God, through the pen of Paul, says that's wrong. He said, you're being arrogant about it. He said, you ought to mourn. You ought to be upset. You ought to be worried about the fact that there's a believer in the church that's living that type of life with that type of of gross sin taking place. He's saying, you ought to judge it instead of acting like, oh, we're, 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 we're so accepting. Now, I want to bear in mind, and you'll see this in a moment, we have to judge it with the right spirit. We have to judge it in the right way. We have to judge it with the right goal in mind. But God clearly tells us in the Bible, through the pen of Paul and other places here, sometimes it's indispensable that we judge situations. That we judge things that are going on in people's lives. The Bible doesn't teach anywhere that it's always, always, always wrong for someone to practice judgment. He tells them under divine inspiration that he himself, Paul said that I have judged this sexual sin. And then Paul tells them, whenever you get together as a church, you you need to judge this yourself and you need to put the person outside of your fellowship until they learn what they've done is wrong and they need to come to repentance. And something you need to grab in that is this statement. Paul was more concerned about the person's soul than he was concerned about the person's feelings. See, a lot of times in the day in which we live, people don't want to say anything to anybody and say, no, you're wrong. You know, no, no, this this isn't right that's in your life. Because we're so worried that we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. 
Number one, we're supposed to try and approach it in a way that we're not trying to intentionally hurt their feelings. That's not the goal. But number two, if it were me, I would rather someone hurt my feelings now and me make things right with God than for me to spend all eternity separated from God in hell. And in terms of a believer, I I would rather someone tell me there's something wrong in my life instead of me continuing to ruin my testimony. And help me understand that I, that I do need to change some things. We ought to be more concerned about people's soul, their eternal destiny, their relationship with God, than we're concerned just about their feelings and, and their emotions. Paul tells them that they need to judge the situation. They need to withdraw fellowship from that person in order that that person might Stop doing what he's doing is a point that Paul's making. Paul makes another important statement that we need to grab hold of. Paul says, I'm not talking about judging those that are in the world. And I alluded to that earlier. We probably have done more harm talking about the church when I say we. I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking about the church. We've probably done more harm being hypocritical, mean-spirited, trying to help people with little specks in their life while we're going around like this. And we're trying to judge others, and we're trying to judge non-believers and try and make them live up to a standard that we think the Bible teaches. When, 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 that person that doesn't know Christ as their Savior can't live up to that expectation. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God within them. God will judge them. It's not our job to judge the unbelieving world. Paul said in order for you, for you to, to do that, for you to separate yourself from all of those sins that he talked about, he said you'd have to leave the world yourself. Because we've got that everywhere we look. Amen? You, you've got those sins that you, that you rub shoulders with, that you see practiced in people's lives. Paul's saying, I'm not saying you ought to judge them, and I'm not saying you have to withdraw fellowship from everyone in the world. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying you'd have to leave and get out of here and go to heaven. It's probably what he's implying, get out of the world in order to avoid all those things. What he is saying is this. It's our responsibility to judge things within the church. Paul is saying that's why he, he was telling them to to set that person aside. To help that person understand that they're going to withdraw fellowship from him because, because that person was practicing that type, that, that type of grievous sin. But the goal, and I said this earlier, the goal is not total rejection, it's restoration. The goal whenever we're having to judge something in someone's life is charity, it's not condemnation. And here's why I say that. Paul, in the second letter to the Corinthians, talks about the same guy that he talked about in the first letter. He was having sexual relationships with his father's wife. Now Paul says this in the second letter. Paul said, For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. So I beg you, reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you're obedient in everything. 
By being obedient in everything, Paul is saying this. I told you because of the act of sin in this person's life that you had to judge it because it was within the church. Not outside the church, it was within the church. Paul said, I have told you to judge it. And, and you withdrew the fellowship from him. And now Paul is writing to them and he's saying, you've done it long enough. You've withheld yourself from that person long enough. Evidently, it had brought about the effect that Paul thought it ought to bring about. It had brought about repentance in that person's life. And now Paul is saying, you need to go to this person now, and you need to love on them. You need to go to this person now and restore fellowship with them. You need to go to this person now and reaffirm your love for him. Because if not, he may just drown in excessive sorrow and never ever be restored back to the fellowship of that Corinthian church. So Paul clearly says, you have to judge things. But he's saying you do it with the right motive, you do it with the right reason, you do it in order to bring about repentance and restoration in that person's life. You're never doing it to be hateful and hypocritical. You have to do it for the right reason. Paul also said this in Galatians. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Not trying to be harsh with someone, not having the, the wrong goals, not getting on the grapevine and talking about the person, everybody under the sun, and running them down and failing to go talk to the person yourself. He, he's saying you need to be gentle with, with them. Don't, don't be harsh with them. Don't try and confront someone about something wrong in their life and be harsh. The goal is, is, is to restore them. What we talked about this morning is that phrase, do not, do not judge. The Bible does not make, Jesus did not make a blanket statement saying it's always wrong to judge. Jesus didn't make a statement whereby we can say to somebody else, you can't judge me, you can't point out something wrong in my life. Well, it all depends. Is there something really wrong in your life? Is that a believer that's walking with Christ and just maybe they, they ought to point something out? Jesus didn't make a blanket statement saying it's always, 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 always wrong to pass any kind of judgment at all. And through Paul, he even tells us sometimes we need to judge. What we have to remember, the principle we have to remember is this. The measuring stick I talked about earlier for morality. I'm not to judge someone based upon my own personal preferences. You're not to judge someone based upon what you like and what you don't like. That's not what we as Christians are to do toward each other. Our standard of judgment must be the Bible. That's the measuring stick for morality in my life and in the life of someone else. The Bible even refers to itself being like a mirror. If you look in a, in, in a mirror, you, you get a, a, a vision of yourself. You can kind of see some things, maybe. You've got some, uh, some spinach still in your teeth. You need to get out before you go talking to somebody. You do like me this past week. I've been looking in a mirror and getting tired of seeing those little sprigs of hair on top, and I decide they're going away everywhere. But I saw that by looking in a mirror. When you look in a mirror, you see yourself. If we look in God's mirror, we will see ourselves spiritually. As we look in God's mirror and we allow 
the, the Bible to correct our lives, we'll understand, hey, there, there's things I need to get rid of. There, there, there's things that I, I don't need in my life that I need to repent and ask God to forgive me of before I start trying to fix somebody else. And as we look in this Bible as believers, we'll also discover as we look in this mirror the right way we should judge someone else. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scriptures breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching. We don't have a problem with that, but look what else it says. For a proof and for correction. That means the Bible, we have to use the Bible to judge things. We have to use the Bible to judge things that are right or wrong. That the man, for training righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. The Bible never says it's always, 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 always wrong. Never ever judge anybody. Don't do it. The Bible says don't do it from a hypocritical attitude and hypocritical standpoint. The Bible even teaches us, as we've seen today, there are times that it's indispensable that we use the Word of God to judge things. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we fall into the trap of judging others, especially, Father, when we're judging people for things that we're guilty of in our own lives. Help us to understand that the same standard we use is the measurement that you're going to use in our lives. If it's wrong in the life of someone else, it's wrong in our life. But Father, forgive us when we hypocritically judge others. Forgive us when we fail to notice the, the logs that we have in our own vision, in our own lives, the sin that's there, and, and, and we try and nitpick at a speck of sin in somebody else's life. Father, help us whenever we have to judge a situation to, to approach it with another believer with compassion. Help us to approach it with a goal of restoration taking place in their life. Help us to understand that, that, that our goal is to help. It's never to harm. Our goal is to restore them. It's never to to, to reject them forever. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Right before we, uh, we have this time in church, we call it an invitation time. For you to think about and evaluate maybe how God should have spoke to you today in the message and see what decisions God wants you to make in your life based upon the scriptures that we looked at today. The Bible clearly says it's indispensable for us to judge sometimes. The Bible also clearly says this. There is a judgment day on the way. Paul said God will judge those who are on the outside. There is a judgment day on the way. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to be aware of that. There's a time of judgment. There's a judgment day on the way. And you have two options. You can say no to Jesus and never ever trust in Him and stand before God and receive the judgment that's due you for your own sin. Or 
You can trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior who died on the cross and paid the full penalty of your sin. Jesus who is nailed to the cross and He took all of your judgment, all of your sin upon Himself, and through faith in Jesus, you can stand before God with the very righteousness of Jesus one day. That's the only two choices. Say no to Jesus, face judgment yourself. Believe in Jesus. Give your life to Him. Trust in Him. Understand that He paid the full penalty for your sins. And by doing so, He took that judgment for you. Think about this before we have the invitation. I I think the greatest act of judgment that ever took place or ever will take place in history is this. The greatest act of judgment is Jesus dying on the cross and taking the sins of all all, all the world upon Himself. And taking that judgment that you deserve, that I deserve. The greatest act of judgment, the most important act of judgment that ever took place was Jesus dying for our sins. And the greatest act of love that ever took place in humanity, in all the universe, is Jesus dying for you on the cross. So if you don't know Him this morning, why not trust in Him? Because He took your sin upon Himself. If maybe you've been guilty of misjudging other people, of being hypocritical, and you recognize that, ask the Holy Spirit to point that out clearly in your life. Ask God to forgive you during this time. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.